0: Welcome back to the Q2Q Podcast. If you do not know us by now, my name is Ben.
1: And I'm Becca. And we
0: are here to talk to you about the latest and greatest theme park news and deep dive into a topic of our choosing. But before we get there, there is one incredibly, incredibly important question. Becca, how was your week?
1: Uh, my week was pretty good. Um, I'm officially, I think I said this last time, I'm officially in Georgia and I started a new job this week. I'm working at the box office of the Aurora Theater. Um, It's a it's the second largest theater in Georgia and they just expanded to a 500 seat house um, making like the Lawrenceville Arts Center in downtown Lawrenceville, Georgia. And it's a really, really pretty venue and really cool space. And they are opening their Christmas canteen show which is kind of like a variety show cabaret style Um, show. It's a tradition they've been doing for a bunch of years and we got to see um, a preview of it on Sunday and it was fantastic. So if you're in the Lawrenceville area definitely check it out and come say hi. Ben what about you? How was your week?
0: My week was actually not bad. Yeah it was pretty good. Uh, Good things happened. I got to watch uh, some sports ball because you know I work at a bar that has a lot of sports ball. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Patriots did really well this week. Really happy about that. Um, and I also went out to breakfast with my good friend Dalton for his birthday. So happy birthday, Dalton. Happy that was birthday, today, Dalton. 1122. He hates his birthday, but I'm going to shamelessly plug it.
1: So happy birthday, Dalton. We got us uh, sometimes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was my week. Good time.
1: Cool. Um, Before we get into the next segment, which is what are we drinking, um, I wanted to announce the existence of our new part-time researcher. Um, His name is Robert O'Donnell. He's a friend of mine from uh, the good old CLP days and he is currently in high school and he wants to become a ride engineer and so he is donating some of his time to deep dive into things. So this episode is actually brought to you by Robert's Little Brain. So welcome, Robert. And thanks for joining us and helping us research. It, it helps a lot. Um, so So, yeah. He says, please, I like the clout and want to be less of a disappointment to his parents. So he fits in quite well with the vibe on this show. (laughs) I, too, want to be less of a disappointment to my parents.
0: Well, we all strive for things that we can achieve because I also cannot achieve that. So (laughs) Um, anyway, also, (laughs) I got to see because I don't mention it. She'll never let me hear the end of it. Um, Heather opened up a new show this week. Uh, She's in Peter Pan at the Seacoast Rep. And it is a fantastic reimagining of that production. So if you are in the area, go check it out. You'll be pleasantly surprised.
1: Yes, do it.
0: And she does a great when job. does
1: that? Do you know when that uh, ends?
0: I think their last show is technically Christmas Eve.
1: Oh, cool. Maybe I'll come see it because I'll be home for, I'll be home for Christmas.
0: Oh, amazing. Yeah, um, we'll go see it. And I'll, I'll actually, it. Let's do it.
1: um. By next week, my parents should be moved into their new house, so I'll be in Barrington for Christmas. Oh, very cool. It's exciting and be wild.
0: very far away from that, because I don't live in Barrington anymore.
1: <laughs> but your mom is there. True. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's jump right into the next segment, is what are you drinking? Ben, you drinking anything? Well,
0: I had some mimosas earlier today, uh, but that's not really news.
1: Um,
0: I did, however, get to try um down east blackberry cider this week and that is oh boy let me recommend that because that is some good stuff
1: delicious that sounds so good I'm also drinking cider um and this cider comes with a backstory um once upon a time I studied abroad in Ireland Mm -hmm. and (laughs) there was this cider that was it was like a just a like a lime cider or like I don't remember exactly what the base one was but they have a strawberry lime one which is the one I'm drinking now okay and it is so delicious oh so it's this apple cider with a taste of strawberry and lime you know if I could read it oh very cool that would be smart um I but guess it that was, would make
0: sense but I can't even yes. read so um
1: doesn't make sense but I could not find it in the States because it was only sold in like New York, Georgia, and Florida. And I forgot that it was sold in Georgia. So when I was like at the liquor store the other day and there was like a whole craft beer selection and I saw this, I was like, no way, no way. So now I get to have one of my favorite ciders. It's very sweet. So I forgot that when I first tried it, I was 20 in Ireland, which is legal to drink, but Mm -hmm. I didn't really drink before that. So it's very sweet. Gotcha. <laughs> so well,
0: that's awesome. That's a that's a that's a neat yeah. story.
1: Mm-hmm. So Copperberg cider can be found in Georgia, Florida, and New York or over the pond. Um uh, So let's jump right into the news. So um, IAPA happened, which is the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. It is the biggest conference for amusement parks and theme parks and zoos and museums and basically anything that could provide you with entertainment that isn't the music industry is at this this conference um it i it's a bucket list item for me to go at some point in my life i would love to be there um a lot of new stuff was was put on the show for um and like for example fun, fun spot atlanta announced a new rmc coaster called air force one and that the trains were revealed at iapa um animax debuted a new animatronic figure called adam and he's really super cool um super fluid really cool to Mm, see. and I actually
0: saw that. That was very cool.
1: Yeah. It was an amazing display as well. Like very impressive. I always Um, like seeing
0: new or other companies put out like cutting edge animatronics. Like I know that Disney's always on top of the game, but I like seeing other companies put their head in the ring there. A little more competition for them.
1: Yeah. I, I really, really like to see it. So, um,
0: you know, push them to fix their uh, long-standing projects, like a <clears throat> big furry animatronics in the center of a mountain.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> Destination D- D23 happened this weekend also, um, Ooh, and there was a a new, like, I don't remember what it was called, but it was like this this costume character that was, you could tell that it was a design that was going to be a bigger Um, like character like a Wreck-It Ralph or a Incredible Hulk and somebody was joking Yeti meet and greet (laughs) so so that that. happened Um, and more things at Destination uh, D23 Um, they announced that um, a lot of things will be returning so uh, there was a lot of discourse about um, Disney not really announcing any new things at Destination D23 which they usually do I still think that people need to like widen their perspective a little bit and like remember that people and companies are still recovering. Right. And they have so many things that they're behind on that they're probably not going to be announcing new things and reverbs and reimaginings anytime soon. But here are the things they did announce um, that Mickey's Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair will be returning and it's going to be a little bit new. Um Guardians of the Galaxy will be de- debuting summer 2022. So Ben got to schedule our fall 2022 trip to go ride Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Absolutely. Um, there's going to be a new quick service restaurant called the Connections Cafe in World Celebration, which will re- kind of be the replacement for the electric umbrella gotcha. in that area of the park. Um, there's going to be a new Walt Disney statue in Epcot called Dr- at, like called Dreamer's Point. Okay. And it's kind of him looking over all of world celebration. Um, it was hard to see where it was going, but it, it. I think it was going to go looking towards Spaceship Earth one way or the other. Okay. Um, Fantasmic in both parks is returning in 2022. Um, I've seen a lot of rumors that Fantasmic in Florida is getting updates.
0: That's what I heard as well. Uh, I don't know exactly not... what that's going to entail. I think it's the action scene is going to Change. i
1: hope so oh so, man it needs that. probably
0: saying goodbye <laughs> to pocahontas which uh, i think is a great action scene but probably, it is a little dated
1: for the better though <laughs> um i don't know i'm excited to see it i hope they bring projections to phantasmic in florida i think that would be sick because have, have you seen videos of the disney oh, yeah, yeah. one yeah of course amazing they should they should do it do it up um I'm anticipating Fantasmic will not return for a while though. I think Disneyland's will return quicker than Disney World's will. Mm-hmm. But that's seems to be the trend of anything that's coming back is that yeah. Disneyland gets the fun stuff and Disney World gets different ones. Um, yeah.
0: we will probably also have to, you know, plan Fantasmic for our fall 2022 trip. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to be the earliest great. we'll be able to see it. <laughs> and we'll have to get our <laughs> fast passes in a uh, way ahead of time for it. Cause you know, that's gonna sell. I would out super pay. Fast. I would.
1: I would, I would actually Disney pay money Disney.
0: to see Fantastic again. So Which okay. I mean, we have to, cause you know we have to pay to get in the park. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, we should do. Ooh, we should do like, like, the birthday trip.
0: Be- I'm down. Because
1: a thing that I think is so funny is that all three of us, our birthdays are like basically within a month of each other. Like mm-hmm. a month. So and we a just half. do
0: one big bash around Epcot get drunk get thrown out and call it a day
1: can't wait <laughs> uh, <laughs> so fine there's going to be an, a new finding nemo show at disney's animal kingdom don't under don't know what that's about don't know what that's going to entail that's all i heard um world of colors also returning yeah. to disneyland oh i'm excited about that I have never seen World of Color and I would love to very much.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also need a Disneyland trip. I have a lot of money you know, already tied up in next year, but I'm sure we can figure out something at some point. You
1: know, head over to patreon.com. Yeah,
0: patreon.com. Oh, and finance them. us, please, so we can bring you awesome content.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway. And finally, Destination D23 announced that Main Street Electrical is coming back to Disneyland in honor of the 50th celebration.
0: So There's a bunch of other stuff world. that was announced.
1: Um, such as, like, stuff about Galactic Star Cruiser mm. and some of the Disney Cruise Line stuff that was happening. Um, but it it was kind of all, like, it was news, but it wasn't super news. It wasn't that important to me as a person. So if you'd like to go, um, you can check out all the things that were announced over on Disney Parks' blog, um, and they you can get a little more information about that. Um... Do, do, do. Dollywood filed permits for a new Wildwood Grove expansion with a new roller coaster, so Dollywood's getting a new coaster. Ooh. Still need to go to Dollywood. That's on my my living in Georgia list of things to do. Mm-hmm. Dollywood's in Tennessee. Yeah, but it's not far. Um, it's worth it. Yeah,
0: worth a weekend I, trip.
1: That's what I'm thinking. I think it'd be really cute to go. But um, I think it'd be really cute to go like right now for like Christmas time because it's like I feel like Christmas in Dollywood it would be awesome mm. um but I know, yeah, I'm still trying that's... to find a weekend
0: to go up to Santa's Village
1: <laughs> oh yeah man we can't let Christian down gotta go see our pal oh I know um but I think with that that's that's the news that's for this week news. short and sweet um I'm sure next week we will come at you with more Christmas time fun but well, next week it'll be week.
0: officially after Thanksgiving. So we can really not feel bad about coming at you at Christmas time fun.
1: <laughs> that is true. It will be after Thanksgiving next week.
0: Not that I have anything against it.
1: Also, happy Thanksgiving or happy oh, yeah. day of food if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah,
0: happy foodsgiving.
1: giving. Hope you guys have a have a wonderful holiday. We're gonna take a break now.
0: See you right after the break.
1: Hey everyone, I just wanted to tell you about our new partnership with Scribble Script Studio. Scribble Script is an independently owned small business specializing in custom lettering designs. The artist behind it, Emma, is located in the Orlando area and frequently she can be found visiting the parks for inspiration. Some of my favorite stickers are her Happily Ever After Dumbo sticker and her Tower of Terror suitcase. So check her out on Instagram, make sure you let her know that Q2Q sent you, and if you're looking for some fun stickers to put on your laptop or your favorite water bottle, make sure you check out her Etsy shop at Scribble Script Studio and use the code Q spelled just like the podcast at checkout for fifteen percent off your order today. That's code Q Q U E U E spelled just like the podcast for fifteen percent off your order at Scribble Script Studios. All right, we're back. We are back. What a great ad that was. You know, it
0: was um, really just way better than the first hundred times I've heard it.
1: Yeah, probably. And we had a hundred episodes. It just gets better. Yeah.
0: Okay. No. We're not in no, we hundred episodes yet. Well someday we will be. Someday. And then we'll have a big celebration. It'll be cutie. We probably
1: we'd probably be really close to it if we didn't take a hiatus because that's true. We've almost been doing this pod for two years. Isn't that mm. weird?
0: Yeah. That's uh that that is uh quite the conundrum right there.
1: Mm-hmm. But anyway, we are back uh and are gonna dive into our topic of this week, which is show control. Mm. Uh, and how things are automated in the theme park industry. Now, I think I mentioned this at the top of the show, but I'm going to mention it again. This research was done by myself and our, my good buddy, Robert O'Donnell. Um, he wrote a lot of the script as well, and I just edited it to be um, in our voice. But a lot of his his writing remains in here. So thank you again, Robert.
0: Yeah, thank you, Robert.
1: Um, and let's let's get into it so many modern day theme park attractions feature media in the forms of sounds video lighting special effects you name it but have you ever wondered how these all come together and work while the ride's main control system handles safety there's a whole separate subsection of controls made for running the show in place of a stagehand this is called show control the basic premise of theme park show control is to create an experience that will repeat itself perfectly in sync for decades to come
0: Hmm. Now, the history of show control may actually go all the way back to 1880 through the electric elevator. In 1930, the rise, eh, get it? Get it? Rise of the automatic elevator. I don't know. That joke seems like it has its ups and downs. Back on track. So, the rise of the automatic elevator (laughs) produced more advanced electrical controls. Entertainment is always borrowed from other industries, and various electronically driven um, hoists—my apologies, driven hoists, platforms, and stage elevators—soon made their way into theaters and amusement parks. Automation soon followed, utilizing switches, mechanical sensors, and relays to perform repetitious sequences.
1: It's the use of automate it's the use of automated technology to link together multiple entertainment control systems in a coordinated manner these wonderful contraptions are the reason that hundreds of cast members past and present have had the opportunity to listen to the wonderfully insufferable theme song to it's a small world forever and ever and,
0: and ever cue <laughs> <Q> hamilton hamilton <laughs> you could always use a normal computer running Uh, Normal show controlled software, but PCs aren't reliable enough to run day in and day out for decades straight. Just ask a college student who forgot to save their essay and had their five year old PC blue screen when the assignment is due an hour later. Uh, You need specialized equipment made to loop audio, video, and run special effects.
1: The earliest of these devices was called the Bin Loop. A Bin Loop was a large device with a single continuous reel of magnetic tape that would play on loop forever. Think of like an eight track. But on steroids, what's like a 10 track? track. Q, Q Hedwig and the Angry Andy. You'll just keep quoting.
0: I mean, we're <laughs> gonna musicals. dip in the theater a lot.
1: <laughs> we're not the listen. podcast
0: is literally called Q
1: to Q, right? I was like, we're not called Q to Q for no reason. Um, this tape would loop audio forever and ever until told not to do so. These were extensively used in the mid 80s filling up the audio systems used at Epcot. In the mid80s ride started to add screens and the like and would they would use laser disc players. Laser disc players had no load time like CDs and DVDs because laser discs were closer relatives of the record than any other sort of format. They were fantastic because you could have instant seeking and jumping between frames directly without having to search compressed files on digital media formats. They turned out to be more popular in theme parks than in the home.
0: T Gameco user on Reddit, explains it nicely. Uh, so discs used to be, uh, sorry, discs used to be widely used in theme park shows, uh, control media for one big reason, instant seeking. As the media on a laser disc was uncompressed, you could jump from one frame to another without any noticeable delay. This was great for interactive installations where you wanted to jump between different segments or even standard rides and shows as you could jump instantly to the beginning of media without hassle.
1: So these LaserDisc players would oftentimes have ports on the back in order to control them with the other devices, such as computers and soon, show controllers. Eventually, these devices called show controllers were made to control the LaserDisc players. Pretty straightforward. Hmm. These were the brains of the operation and could operate your fa- your faulty special effects more efficiently than ever. <laughs> think of, think <laughs> when the vehicle would pass by and trip a sensor, the sensor would tell the show controller to trigger that video. Hmm. Basically, then- it was... A like think about when you go to your like the DIY haunted house that you're near that your neighbor sets up and they have a mat outside that you step on, and it triggers a special effect. It's basically that,
0: but, uh, but all on scale, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, these mechanical laser disc players would begin to fail as all moving parts do, and there needed to be a modern day replacement that would take their spot. A company called Alcorn McBride invented the digital bin loop, a new device that held files, well, digitally,
1: digitally.
0: <laughs> and well, fly. So a new device that held files digitally and played them back on screens and speakers. It brought the bin loop and disk into the modern age for the early 90s. Uh, these devices would feature the same connectors, so they would be a drop-in replacement for the original devices they replaced, except these new devices were cheaper, more efficient, and practically bulletproof. These Ooh. devices quickly took over the industry, and over time, they became the standard for audio and video in theme park rides. Now, it's hard to find a ride that doesn't feature one of these devices. Show controllers became, sorry, show controllers began becoming more and more advanced and were more and more capable. Most of these devices are still operating in the rides today.
1: So, yeah, Alcorn McBride kind of, like, reinvented the show controller, um, and now it's pretty pretty widely used. So one of the biggest innovation in the theme park show controlled world was the local control unit created by none other than Walt Disney Imagineering. Originally testing the waters by wearing a portable music player on Space Mountain, Imagineers thought adding an onboard audio to theme park rides would change the experience, which as someone who's now been on many rides with onboard audio, they were right. Mm -hmm. Debuting on Space Mountain de de la Terra a la Lune at Disneyland Paris, We've talked about it. Mm-hmm. The L- LCU was the f- world's first onboard audio system for roller coasters, and like I said, we talked about this briefly on Hyperspace Mountain episode featuring Brian Green from Theme Park This. Reminder: Go check out Theme Park This; they're really great.
0: Mm. The system would store God, that, that was messy. Sorry. The system would store audio files on memory cards and synchronize it based on steel flags welded into the tracks that would tell the device to play the next clip. This device was a massive innovation and unlocked massive new storytelling potential. The system then came to rides such as the Rock and Roller Coaster at Disney's Hollywood Studios and Disneyland Paris.
1: Random fun fact: each of the Rock and Roller Coasters limos feature their own license plate and soundtrack to it. Did you know that?
0: I did not know that. I knew the license plate, mm-hmm. but I did not know that they each had their own soundtrack. That's very cool. Yeah,
1: and the license plate tells you what you're going to be to be listening to. So like Bob I plays Young Lust fine plays love in a roller coaster hate traffic plays back in the saddle and dude looks like a lady you go babe plays love in an elevator and walk this way which is the best one that is my favorite um and one quick limo plays nine lives um last oh one more too fast for you plays sweet emotion i get sweet emotion a lot i do too So, i think um i think that's the one that i, I think i just accidentally land on that that car every time. There is hmm. a six limo in storage, and that takes the license plate of the train. It replaces when it runs on the circuit. So they must all have the ability to play all of them, if that's the case. It
0: must be. Or at least that and one does. Just...
1: Well, the, it would.
0: Maybe it's held in the license plate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the license plate is the computer.
0: <laughs> I mean, couldn't be too far off if I just replaced the license plate.
1: <laughs> uh, it's fair.
0: Anyway. Non-Disney rides soon followed with a new onboard audio trend. Other manufacturers began creating their own systems like the r an onboard, nice. not to be confused with the AirPod. Thank you, Apple. Don't sue us. Um, or
1: the iPod. <laughs>
0: or the iPod or anything pod that has to do with Apple. Uh, the onboard audio became more accessible. It ranged from high-quality immersive experiences like Universal's attractions to Six Flags quality attractions. Apparently, X2 at Six Flags Magic Mountain uses a boat amplifier and an SD card audio player to play its onboard audio unsurprisingly a boat amplifier doesn't take too well to rattly aerodynamics coasters running every day of the year
1: Quote, oh, it's a shame because in my personal opinion our onboard audio adds so much to ride experience rides that feature onboard audio are 10 times better than ones that don't in my opinion love to see more rides adopt this technology love robert <laughs> robert has to add his little opinion
0: well of course i mean yeah. What he is, what work? is research without doing your, without adding your own take without on it?
1: Opinions. <laughs> without
0: opinions. What is research without opinions? That is just boring facts.
1: <laughs> Those are just facts. And that's, that's not interesting for a podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, live shows will also use show control to automate a routine act. The shows in the dance hall theater at Canopy, for instance, actually are all automated, um, that's always a fun process of of the lights and the sound and the special effects they all get programmed Mm -hmm. i hit go pretty much once and the show runs itself it's pretty awesome um in shows most companies use a show control software like QLab to automate lighting sound and video um i've talked about how rivers of light was a completely automated show there's only one single moment in that show that is controlled by a human and it's when they go under the bridge and it's because they lose signal that's it Usually, it is possible to override show control mechanisms just in case to ensure the safety of live performers in the event that something's not ready to be completed. So, show control is here, it's ready. Everything is is ready to go. Show show controlled.
0: With the continuation of progress in technology, many systems are switching to local area networks or LAN. uh, They're connected using Ethernet. Ethernet was originally disqualified. Uh, From consideration for show control because it was too slow, non-deterministic, and lacked sufficient bandwidth to handle certain show control functions. But now, uh, sorry, but that has now changed with full duplex Ethernet. Don't ask us what that means. We're not IT people. Mm
1: -hmm. All I know is, say,
0: Cat5 or Cat6 cable. I know what cable you're talking about, but I can't tell you what it means.
1: I know what it looks like. I know what it does. Don't know how it does it.
0: (laughs) There are cables that spread (laughs) Wi-Fi's. (laughs)
1: the the tricky thing is um like shielded cat 5 versus regular cat 5 because like a regular cat 5 doesn't hold power but a shielded cat 5 does hold power and functions and if you just have a regular Cat power
0: over ethernet's a whole different kind of ball game that i know nothing about
1: uh, i don't know how it works i just know that one of my systems won't run unless there is power over the ethernet
0: right (laughs) i don't know how i just know why (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's how I feel about airplanes. Still, to this day, the most common, common show control in live entertainment that you will see is MIDI operation. MIDI is an open industry ride international communication protocol for all show devices. Like I said, all of Canopy's live shows are actually connected and controlled by MIDI. MIDI, which stands for Musical Instrument Digital Interface, was originally designed in the early 1980s as a means to control keyboard synths from different manufacturers. Through through a lovely collaborative effort of many theatrical disciplines, Charlie Richmond was spearheading this movement, the United States Institute of Theater Technology, or USITT, developed the MSC, MIDI Show Control, in 1991. This brings us to the next major moment in show control history, which is perhaps the most incredible use, which is parades.
0: Parades. So the first show to fully utilize the MSC specification was actually the Magic Kingdom Parade at Walt Disney World in 1991. If you haven't seen how Disney parades work, embedded into the ground are sensors. When each parade float goes over the sensor in the ground, it sends a signal to the sound system to switch the track that is playing. If you've never sat in the hub and been caught in the audio trap, you may never notice this change. At specific parts of the hub, uh, this is right across from the Tomorrowland Bridge, will actually get conflicting audio signals from the floats coming through Liberty Square and those heading down the main street, down the main street. <laughs> uh, for example, in Festival of Fantasy, you can hear the soundtrack to the Little Mermaid float as it passes. It will trans- uh, transition to the Peter Pan soundtrack. To hide this transition, the soundtrack has the same underlying melody of Festival of Fantasy. But if you're in the soundtrack of the hub, you can actually hear out-of-sync audio.
1: Yeah, that was brutal. That's how I watched it the first time. And I was like, ah,
0: because <laughs> yep, uh, I like, you're this. like
1: two different soundtracks happening. And it, I, I did not like it. Mm. Um, so would not recommend sitting across from the bridge to Tomorrowland. Some attractions operate entirely on clock-driven timing. These are found in places where the ride is repetitious and not subject to variation. We know what you're thinking. Aren't all of them repetitious? <laughs> well, yeah, no. For example, Haunted Mansion is the same ride every time. But sometimes you have to pause movement or slow slow down with the Omni Mover. For example, if somebody with a wheelchair is getting on to, onto your ride. A lot of things that run on timecode are 4D film presentations. And other rides can rely on timecode once they're dispatched and can automatically run, such as Harry Potter and the Escape from Green Glocks. Uh I actually noticed this the last time I was riding because I got stopped right before the unload platform for Harry Potter and and the Escape from Gringotts and I could see behind me that the video was literally just frozen in its reset (laughs) so but it was frozen because it was like there was no ride vehicle in front of it so it wasn't going so like there is no like loop or there is no clean loop of Harry Potter and the Escape from Gringotts it's just a video interesting (laughs) so it just like will cut to the top of the video again in between. It's it's wild. I encourage you the next time you ride Escape from Green Gods, Ben, the first time you in the ride first you time Escape I read. from Green Gods. <laughs> um, oh, no. I encourage you to if you stop at the end right before the load platform to look behind you and see the transition. It's it's wild to see. So this is usually still controlled through MIDI, which in which case would be MIDI time code or MTC for short.
0: Hmm, how interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Game-based Rides took another massive step forward with Toy Story Midway Mania. Midway Mania used a series of Windows-based PCs to play interactive computer games with the ride vehicles being the controllers. This wasn't too far off from your normal gaming PC, however, it had a few differences. It ran a special copy of Windows Server in order to simplify operations under the hood. A very similar but modernized system would be used on Smuggler's Run at Hollywood Studios and Disneyland. This version is much more advanced and lets you crash your ship in high definition. (laughs) that's a good line it runs the unreal 4 engine uh featured in many modern video games and its graphics are rendered by nvidia's rtx graphics cards if you are anything of a pc aficionado like myself you know that they are overpriced and very hard to come by this plays a lot more like a traditional video game than the toys than uh toy story midway mania does
1: i really like the fact that he added like sparkles to the word, high definition. I did not write that. That was Robert. (laughs)
0: That's hilarious. Mm
1: -hmm. Sparkles. Crash your ship in high definition. (laughs) Um, Anyway, switching gears to animatronics, pun intended. Originally, they were runoff systems very similar to the original bin loops. Over time, this would become a large headache as tapes would wear out and animatronics would break down as they are known to do. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they would switch to all digital controllers that would actuate the animatronics more accurately and precisely than the old systems ever could. These enabled animatronics to become more and more fluid and more realistic, which is pretty clear when you look at between the A100 figure to the A1000 figure. Oh, yeah. Pretty insane difference. Almost makes you wonder, what would extraterrestrial alien encounter be like if it used these modern special effects and systems? Disney, No. Y'all know what to do. Probably
0: be a little more terrifying.
1: Could you imagine? Oh my God. (laughs) I don't want to.
0: I mean, just think about it. It would probably be, it it would have as much movement as the Yeti. So none.
1: (laughs) What's the difference? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Imagine Alien Encounter, but with the fluidity of the shaman.
0: I would probably die.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But yeah, Um, let's see. At the end of the day, show control has had a long and twisty history, just like the exciting rides they have been featured on. Without these systems, rides would not be the same, and they have become an essential part of modern day attractions. From making the room smell like oranges to scaring you out of your wits, show control plays a massive role in the attractions. Uh, these systems allow you to enter a different worlds and immerse yourself even more into the attraction. Right, from a simple bear growl like on Untamed, at Cannabilly Park, to a truly immersive auditory and visual experience like Verbolton at Bush Gardens Williamsburg, these systems turn otherwise basic rides into an almost theatrical experience and put the theme into theme park, which of course is what we're all about.
1: And that's the history and usage of show control. Yeah. Um, We got a little nitty gritty into the technology there, which I really liked. Um, It's a different kind of episode. We don't really do a lot of how things work. We just talk about what they are a lot. Um, So I really liked doing this episode and thank you to robert again for the seven millionth time absolutely um i think if if i think this will be a lot coming from robert so if you hear robert did research on it you know you're going to get some technical elements and the the history of the mechanics on some stuff yeah, which i think is super cool yeah um i like that our team is is not only growing but also our interests in like history and research are all very different like I'm all about like the history of stuff mm-hmm. Robert likes the, the the tech and I know that you like, tend to lean that way too of like how things work
0: oh yeah um
1: I'm so, and so I so I'm glad that we are we're growing and getting new new faces new people new new voices to write and do research so it's very exciting um so yeah like we said earlier this is this episode's going out right before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving and/or Food Day if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving specifically. Um, hopefully you guys got some time off for this. Um, I know I'll get the day off and then right back to work on Friday. Mm.
0: Um,
1: If you like this episode, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on both Spotify and or if you listen on Apple Podcasts, give us a little rate and review. It really helps us in our numbers. You can check us out on social media, on Facebook at Q2Q, on Instagram at Q underscore two underscore Q, on Twitter at Q, the number two Q. And it is spelled just like the podcast, Q-U-E-U-E. And if you want to support us even further, we'd super appreciate it if you went to patreon.com slash Q2Q, spelled just like the podcast, and gave us some support. You can support us for as little as $1 a month. And it wouldn't be the holiday season without plugging our merchandise.
0: Oh, of course. Over at
1: teespring.com slash stores slash Q2Q. We have our Oogie Boogie Perfectly Safe merchandise over there we have our drink up me hearties yo-ho as well as we have one more oh let the kids be gay my favorite of oh ah, yes designs. which we are
0: still oh. donating portions of that to the trevor project
1: that's right so, so
0: please consider buying some sweet swag and supporting a good cause
1: yeah so with that i think that yeah, does it I for today that's all the
0: plugs we got
1: cool so it might have been a little bit of a shorter episode tends to be these days because we all got lives that we got going on yeah but, but thanks hey, so you know, much for listening and short and to the point that's right and we will see you next time
0: bye, bye.